0: This is Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, and Paul, we have a big weekend coming. It's about time you got that condition looked at. That's later. No, no, no. This one is my one of my favorite holidays for wine, Super Bowl Sunday, and we're going to tell you why. Okay, good. I'm Rick Cushman. I'm Paul Wagner. This is Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, and today we're giving some tips for pairing wine with chili and pizza rolls and all those delicate foods at (laughs) Super Bowl parties. Plus, a listener asked if it's okay to let the cork fly from a bottle of bubbly. We'll tell you what football players own wineries, and as usual, we will make fun of wine sobs, though we'll be careful with the football players. They're big. They're big. (laughs) Stay with us. listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, and it's party time around here, Paul. Yeah, Rick, and, like, wait, you got invited to a Super Bowl party? Oh, no, 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 but I'm going to eat some greasy, cheesy, cheesy food. <laughs> well, I'm sure it'll be just as much fun, right? <laughs> yes, yes, it will. What are you going to drink? I might have a beer. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's it for this week's show, folks. We no, hope you enjoyed this is, it. This is a wine show,
0: and since I actually do like pairing wine with a lot of different foods, including some of these Super Bowl foods, like everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we are going to do a little bit of that for you. Well, uh,
1: you know, I, I live in the Napa Valley, and there are big Super Bowl parties there. And trust me, a lot of people drinking wine at Super Bowl parties in the Napa Valley.
0: And eating brie, right? I
1: don't think so. That's I think, the, that's uh, always, that was, yeah, that that was, was the, that the knock 49ers. on
0: the Bill Walsh 49ers, right. of which Not I was a 49ers, huge fan. Their Bi- fans. Their fans, right? Their, their
1: fans sat in the stands drinking
0: Chardonnay and eating brie. To which I say, count those five Super Bowl rings and call <laughs> me later. <laughs> All right. Okay. Enough of this. We can do a sports talk show. <laughs> but first, you know, before we do this, I have my annual Harris poll on what Americans drink on holidays. Excellent. So what yeah. do you got? Yeah. and the, Well, the first thing I love about it is that they consider Super Bowl Sunday an official holiday. Well, of course it is. Of course it That's is, right? sure. And the other thing I like about it, it's one of those duh polls, as in we already know all this stuff, but news organizations nonetheless go off and write stories about them. Well, because they have to have figures. Yeah. Well, they can't yes, just they say do. everybody knows this. Yes. They have to say...
1: I have proof. It's actually 89%. So,
0: so, Paul, can I read you one of the stunning headlines from a re- from a major newspaper? Sure. About this poll? Yes. Americans reach for different alcoholic beverages on different occasions. I am shocked. I, don't know, I tell I guess, you, shocked. I got to slow down here. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is just... All right. Oh, man. So, here, quickly, let me run through some of the startling conclusions. Wait, can I guess? <laughs> you go ahead and guess. Give You
1: give me a name of a holiday, and I'll guess what we drink.
0: Okay. Uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas, because they were the same. Uh. Um, lots of liquor and bubbly. Well, number one is wine. Oh, okay. Yeah. But okay. then, but bubbly, we count that. Yeah. yeah. But then, but more wine than beer than spirits. Although, okay. for ages 65 up, uh, spirits is the second, then beer.
1: Well, and then if you've got a lot of family
0: over, you're going to be drinking more spirits. Yeah. I think we'll get this one New Year's Eve. Yeah. I'm guessing bubbly. Yeah, uh, By huh? a long shot. Yeah. Okay. Here's a real tough one St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Does it have to be green, or can it just be beer? Yeah, it's it's beer. Yeah. Let me remind
0: you, they got paid to do this poll. <laughs> so they could have just called me. I would have told them uh, I know. this stuff. And then on Super Bowl Sunday, beers number one. Yep. Spirits number two. Flavored malt beverages, which oh, is yeah. like those those hard lemonades and things right. like that. That's number right. three. And then wine. Wine is number four. We have work to do. W- wine. Friend. In other words, wine is in
1: fact dead last. The wine is dead last. Yeah. Although I will bet that at least in one city every year after the Super Bowl, they drink a lot of bubbly. Paris? No, this, this, whoever wins. <laughs> sure. Whoever wins yes. is going to. Uh, right. Do they drink bubbly after they win the they, Super Bowl? They, spray, they spray it on their trainers. But I, I don't know. You would think that the, pe- the people in the city would open a bottle of bubbly and
0: say, we won. Some of them might. Yeah, some of them might. You'd hope they would. They might. All right. So I thought we would go through some of the foods. Just yes. Are there a,
1: traditional Super Bowl foods
0: other than nachos? Well, nachos and pizza. Yeah. 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 I mean, the traditional is is maybe stretching the word, but they're common. <laughs> they're common foods. Okay. So common foods. Common. For so the let's, common let's people. start. Okay, start at good. the beginning, sort of, which is guacamole and
1: chips. Guacamole and chips, boy, does that sound like beer to me. But, of course, the well, old all rule of these, in wine— so these
0: are all is, we were we are going to have a caveat here, which is beer would go fine with all of and these. And the
1: old rule in wine is that if your first reaction is beer, your second one ought to be bubbly.
0: Yeah, actually, you know, I ought to say that one of our—another uh, caveat is think any good, a, a nice, kind of not super expensive, sort of fresh, bubbly with pretty much all of these. Unless you win. If your team wins, then you can go for the really good stuff. No, oh, that's true, too. But
1: so bubbly would go well with all of these. Sure. Right. Yep. It, yes. Or the other thing is, as as you might suggest, something uh, light, relatively low alcohol. If if you're rooting for a team whose colors happen to be green, you could think of Vino Verde or Gruner Veltliner because they both have green okay, in their name. Okay, they're making it a little complicated. Okay, <laughs> this could be fun. Wait, Rick, we How got I a How do you get wine from a green here. bottle? Gonna... Yeah, but what do you do if a team – what if – okay, what – is there a team color that wouldn't work with this?
0: Yeah, Carolina. Yeah, they're kind of off-color. Yeah. That's not a beverage color. Teal, I don't think is that, I don't think you know. teal is a beverage mm-hmm. color. Okay. Well, anyway, right. it was worth so, a shot. Well, let's actually help out a little bit here. <laughs> we're not doing that already? <laughs> no, no, <you're> not. <laughs> um, we're not. We're going to do something unusual. We're going to try to actually give it some useful advice. So guacamole. <laughs> okay, Let me go back to guacamole and chips. Okay. Well, I gave you an answer. Which was okay. All right, I, that's what you, that's what you're sticking with. All right. Well, I would. I'm going to say that a, a Sauvignon Blanc actually would go fine with that. Okay. And yeah. or a Shannon Blanc. Uh, yeah. I think both of those two that I like. Okay. No? All right. Good. All right. What else so, you got? So we got wings. Now the wings come a lot of different ways. Yes, they do. So let's just say the straight right wing. The, you got the your left the straight, wing. The straight up wing. <laughs> got your wing T. You got yeah. Where this is? These are little, little small chicken things. Um, <laughs> And they're not actually wings. Well, they are. They're <laughs> legs, but sure. sure they're wings. Um, so uh, regular, regular wings, no no special sauce. Just, you know, just so a ro- no roasted spicy. Yeah, just a roasted chicken. Little Just a roasted chicken. Yeah. Oh, uh, then you, go, you got Chianti Classico. You uh, got I Green and
1: Noir. Anything that goes well with roasted chicken.
0: I think uh, Rich Chardonnay, Merlot. Dare I say it? Merlot. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. All right. What about if it's a little sweeter? The,
1: sweet,
0: the Merlot? The sweet wings. <laughs> I sweet wings. See, is that what your wife calls you? Does <laughs> <This laughs> is... your wife call you "Hey, so, sweet wings"? We should we should warn people you may not actually get any useful advice <laughs> if Paul stays the way he is. <laughs> Here's one completely out of left field
1: for most people, but it's a great wine. It's a wonderful word to order because it's so much fun to say. And it's a French wine made from the Chenin Blanc grape. Get some good
0: Vouvray. Vouvray, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Vouvray is a fun word to say, yeah. Which and is actually the region. It's but a yeah, 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 delicious wine. And once again, you know, obviously, a wine. As we always say, when something is sweet, the wine needs to have a touch of sugar. So any of the yep. wines, so yep. the, the a sweeter reasoning, a sweeter Chenin would be. Yep. Barbecued wings.
1: Okay, now normally I would say rosé, but I don't think you can drink rosé at a Super Bowl party.
0: Well, it depends how actually secure you are in your manhood if you're a guy. Or... <laughs> would you wear a pink shirt to a Super Bowl party? No. no. Well, no, because I'm going to get my barbecue on that yeah, shirt. Because so. because you're not invited to a Super well, Bowl party. Well, there's that too, but if I did, <laughs> that'd be the only time I ever got invited. That's right. And you'd show up with the pink well, but rosé is kind of a cool one. It's yeah. a pretty good wine. It's, it's, a cool, it's also a got a cool food. thing, and I think it would go just fine with those. You know, yeah, I also think uh, uh, a not not a giant Zin would also go well with you know not yeah. Not you just giant have to alcohol. be
1: careful because Zinfandels can be alcoholic, and that can make the spice and barbecue right. sauce right. seem right. a lot
0: hotter. Right, right. So, and what about buffalo wings? You know, so that is the spicy. Dip it into he, the
1: yeah. You know what? I'm <clears> going there. I'm going 100 percent for Vouvray. I'm saying go for Buffalo Vouvray. There's a combination made in heaven. I want to I wanna see that
0: on a menu somewhere. I would not disagree with that at all. I would also throw in Riesling as well. Okay. Pizza. You're in favor against. I am in favor com- of pizza. Well, I mean, you went through what four com- different kinds of com- right. wings. Just, I'm now we have to talk pizza. about how many different kinds of pizza? Well, that your usual Super Bowl pizza, which is a guy Pepperoni. pizza. Pepperoni. Yeah, all those, Pepperoni, all those meat. Pepperoni, four and a half pounds
1: easy. of cheese. Um, I say Zinfandel. I want an Italian wine because I I don't want it to be as heavy or as alcoholic as Yeah, I know where you're going. So, yeah. Valpolicella, Um, aren't you? Valpolicella, Chianti Classico, any of those wines are good. Actually, for a Super Bowl party, yeah.
0: What about chili? And I made myself uh, and my lovely wife a fine chili the other day. It had some smoke in it. And so I'm going to say a smoky-like chili because a wine that went with this was really kind of a surprise for us. Well, I'm
1: going to say that um, actually— the best wine is not one that you should—shouldn't I mean, it, it, we be drinking American wines in a Super Bowl Sunday Yes, anyway? we should. I, should. I should never have mentioned
0: Vouvray. Yeah, that's all right. I'll, well, we'll let it go. Because then I'll go Cote Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. So I was going to say, like, a smoky <laughs> Syrah would be absolutely— yes. Yeah, yeah, smoky something. Syrah. Yeah, any, syrah any smoky and Syrah we... we had a smoky Syrah with it that was really, now, not really well. if
1: that's the case, if the Super Bowl is between the Dolphins and the Chargers and is being played in Honolulu— that's a that's a you get a warm. If it's a really cold winter thing, then uh, you want something you want something even heavier than Syrah. You want I mean you want Petite Syrah and you want your chili with bacon in it. And then it's snow and it's cold and it's that's your Super Bowl pairing there. Depends on where you're sitting and who's playing.
0: Well, then there's that, yeah. So, so you're so you're not pairing you're not pairing your wine with your food. You're pairing your wine with the teams and the and the spot. Oh yeah, you, you got to figure it all out. All right, well, absolutely. It's, it's a lot more complicated. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to put this on a grid. All
1: right. I think. You know, if they would do this right, they could have us on before every Super Bowl and we could hey. give this advice to people.
0: All right. I mean, one more that is a, a pretty standard Super Bowl thing because if it's not rainy outside for Super Bowl so, or snowing, depending grilling. on where you are, people are grilling. Yes. And they are grilling sausages and ribs. Sausages and ribs. So for sausages and ribs, one's salty, one's going to end up being more barbecuey. Get any wines that go with those for you? Yeah, uh, I am uh, I like Syrah. I like Grenache. I like Zinfandel again. You like Zin. You know, I used to write. Yep. I used to write my annual Super Bowl column, and I used to say that all those crummy foods that you're going to eat, if you got to pick one wine zin for all of them, yeah, just because yep. it's big and it can yep. handle that sort of yep. stuff. All right. Yep. Well, if you're going to pick one radio show to listen to on about Super Bowl Sunday, we probably wouldn't be it. However, <laughs> you're listening to us. <laughs> this is Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. When we come back, uh, we'll take some questions. And by the way, that gurgling you hear is just our stomachs in sympathy. Stay with us. <laughs> you're listening to bottle talk with rick and paul and it's time to take some questions from listeners if you'd like to ask us a question go to rickandpaulwine.com that is all one word and don't forget you can find us on itunes and subscribe for free makes us look good just a little bitty click and if you're new to us by the way and might want to know what business we have uh, doing a sports talk show and giving super bowl party advice good eh? question rick never gets invited although he confessed to me the other day that he has an
1: old football injury that's true yeah hard to believe being the big guy that I am but there you go yeah
0: Well, besides not having a football injury, Paul's got other injuries, but <laughs> clearly <including> a biking, <laughs> my head. a cycling one. That's right. That's right. Uh, Paul is also a respected industry pro. He answers questions on allexperts.com. He teaches at Napa Valley College, at the Culinary Institute of America, and various August spots around the world. July and September, too. Yeah,
1: that's true. And Rick is a wine commentator on Capital Public Radio. He's written a couple of books about wine, one of which made the New York Times bestseller list. So he must know something.
0: Yeah, hard to believe, but it's true. The first question is from Peter Barnes in San Francisco,
1: hmm.
0: and uh, he said, I saw one one of those wine recommendation web, uh, websites talking about their favorite Cabernets, and it said, I love them. The guys, the writer said, I love them because they all have killer acidity. This is back to Peter saying, <laughs> why do I want that? That sounds like the cab would just be sour, and they said it would make them age. Why do I want that? Can't I just drink them? Well, you know, it it's funny. And yet it's actually a
1: really helpful bit of advice because Peter now knows that the kinds of wines that that writer likes are the, not the kinds of wines that, that Peter, Peter likes. And he doesn't have to don't, read that Don't story. read that guy. Yeah. He doesn't have to read that guy anymore yeah. ever again. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. yeah. uh, the, the journalist is correct that a wine that ages if it has slightly higher acidity will the fruit will stay fresh longer just the same way apple juice on a or I'm sorry uh, lemon, juice lemon juice on an, an apple. apple or right. on a salad bar yes. will keep the
0: produce fresh longer Um, Which also explains why every salad in the salad bar tastes like lemon, but that's a different issue.
1: But Peter's point is I don't want a wine that ages. I don't want a wine that's crispy, not a Cabernet. What I want is a wine that is soft and ready to drink right now. And Peter doesn't want killer acidity in his wines, so he shouldn't buy the wines this guy recommends. Yeah,
0: and, you know, there's also a sort of a bit of... um, I mean, almost a filter that you need to do when you read a lot of wine recommendations from the geeky wine writers, and and once again, we we this is something Paul and I talk about all the time that 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 they're sort of bored with all of the regular the regular wines, all the wines that everybody else drinks, and they're always looking for something different, and they have their own styles and their own palates, but so killer acidity. Is the (laughs) it's like the wine geeks thing because it 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 it, it makes the wine have it gives it its own kind of personality does give it freshness you know well it depends I
1: I like wines with high acid if I'm drinking a fresh light wine with fish. Sure, but that's different than necessarily drinking a red wine with roast beef. Do I want killer acidity? And I don't think so. I
0: don't think so. And of all the wines, where the vast majority of people are not going to want killer acidity, it's going to be Cabernet. And
1: even if it does have killer acidity, the first my inclination is good. Let's put it in the cellar and pull it out fifteen years from now when the acidity's died down and it's more fun to
0: drink. Right. And as as uh, any wine person that knows who's normal will tell you that. There's I'm a very, very strict. small percentage. There are no wine people that are normal. Well, that's probably true, including, including us. Including us. <laughs> yeah, we're right. a long way from yes. both. But most people just want to drink their wines. Just want to drink yeah, a glass so, of wine. So, so, Peter, I Paul's first bit of advice is exactly right, which is just don't don't drink wines that this writer Lights. tells you to drink. Yeah, Because you won't like them. You won't like them, and we're probably with you. Uh, this next one comes from Jeanette in Irvine. What are you supposed to do if you break a cork when you're trying to get, get it out? Are there like super secret wine techniques or if it goes in, do you just suck it up and drink the wine?
1: This is a great question. Yeah. Um, and I wish that we weren't doing a podcast. I wish, wish that we, we could, were we doing a YouTube video because yes. I can show you yeah. how. To, but yes, um, this is a problem. And first of all, let's talk about why does the cork break in the bottle? And I'm going to tell you, there's a reason the cork broke in the bottle, Jeanette, and it's probably because you didn't put the corkscrew—oh, sure, put quite it on her far enough, Jeanette. Yes.
0: I'm on your side. I'm nope. blaming the cork. It's true, and I know this because you know, we do right.
1: this—we do this tour with the Union de grand cru de Bordeaux, and they, you know, these huge, the beautiful chateaus in Bordeaux, but they all Giant use these corks. really long corks, right? And every year I train the hotel staff, here's how you have to pull these corks. If you don't do it, you're going to break one off inside. And every year somebody comes to me about six bottles in and says, uh, I broke a cork off inside. Can you help me? Right. So here's what you do. There are there are two, possibly three ways to do this.
0: And then there's my way, which okay.
1: will make no sense at all. Okay, good. The first way is very carefully and very elegantly, you put that corkscrew right back in the bottle and you try to get the screw started in the part of the cork that broke off in the bottle. If you do this carefully and the piece of cork in the bottle is big enough, it is possible to send the corkscrew all the way through that piece of cork. And get that sucker out. And slowly pull it out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I can do it about eight out of ten times. And that's fine. So
0: you're telling me you didn't put it in deeply enough? No, 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 no. I'm fixing other people's problems, yeah, there you Rick. Go. You know, that's All what right. I do. I'm a giver. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, <laughs> I say that giver. about you, Paul.
1: Okay. <laughs> so then the other problem is, and this happened recently in New York with an absolutely fabulous bottle of beautiful Saint Emilion Bordeaux, and the server came to me and said, you know, I broke the cork off, and she showed me the cork, and the section left in the bottle was probably only about an eighth of an inch of cork left in the bottle. And I thought, there's no way I'm going to get this out. So I very carefully, very carefully stuck the corkscrew in, and within 10 seconds, I'd knocked the cork right down into the bottle. At that point, there's a relatively simple solution, which is a chopstick to push the cork out of the way, and you just pour the bottle into a decanter and drink it straight from the decanter. Yeah, there's,
0: there's, a, there's a secondary thing to that. It depends on how expensive the wine is, which is to pour it through some sort of a filter, like, yeah, you know and there, lots of folks will recommend coffee filters but it actually does filter out a little bit of the flavor
1: and and yeah. it actually can give a paper flavor to yeah. the wine too yeah. it it that i mean it's simple it just push the cork out of the way <laughs> pour it into a pour it into a decanter if a little bit of cork gets in the wine it's, it won't be that much yeah. um, just just remember that most of the cork in the wine will come out in the first glass so the secret is pour the first glass and offer that first glass to someone you don't like very much. Yeah, there you go. And the rest
0: of the bottle should be I fine. I that works as well. You know, there's—actually, uh, I've never tried this. I think it's it probably wouldn't work. But, you know, there's this—the met- method. method for getting a cork out of a bottle when you don't have a corkscrew is by banging the bottle on, on, like, against the side of a wall. Yeah, heart. it won't work if there's
1: most of the cork gone. It's mo- if well, most of the corks are gone, that cork will come out so fast if it comes out at all. It'll either go out or in. Well, that's cool. But about so the second—
0: So you aim at that guy you don't like. If you're given the glass of wine to it works either way. There
1: is one other way of getting the cork out, if, if, and it's dental floss. No, this is a true story, Rick. So you break the cork off into the bottle, right? You've got two thirds of the cork in your hand, and a quarter or a little piece of the cork is now down in the bottle. What you do is you drop a piece of dental floss down into a loop of dental floss down into the wine.
0: Ah, yeah, yeah. I, hook, can, see, I can see how hook that might the work. the cork and try to pull it out. Yeah. It's
1: a wonderful party game. It will keep your children entertained for hours. Yeah. All right. All
0: right. All right. Do we help, Jeanette? I say just pour it in there, suck it up, pour it, drink it. Well, and, and the chopstick thing is uh, is uh, yeah, yeah. keep the cork out of the way. And, yeah. yeah. What's a little bit of cork? What's a little bit of gonna cork? It's not going to affect the – you know, you can uh, okay. float around – to, you know, Give the first glass to somebody you don't like. Yeah, will uh, See who gets the most, and they're the winner. <laughs> That's right. All right. This was from Cassandra in Sacramento. Is it ever acceptable to let the cork fly on a bubbly when you're it? There are times when college name removed because it has a law school and we don't want to get sued beats <laughs> name of husband's college, which also has a law school. <laughs> and I want to spray him with foam and yell, booyah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Cassandra, if foam <laughs> is your objective— I say go for it but it's never really it messes up the wine. So well she's not she doesn't care about the wine. I'm worried about his eyeballs. No, I say that's part of it. Tell yeah. him to, tell him to <clears throat> dress up like he just won the championship. <laughs> Which is like, you know, athletes these days, they're so soft. They all wear goggles. You know, so, back, in the day, back in the day, back in Super Bowl one, no, they no. knew how to pour letting, beer and wine. Just, on them, I will so. just
1: say this, that every year there are 10, 15, 20 people in this, <clears> in this country who have, have eyesight damaged in an eye from somebody letting loose with one of these corks. Don't let the cork fly it. If you want to spray your husband with Do bubbly, do it. Shake the beer. No, just oh. take take pop the cork. Easiest pie. Oh, and do your... just what they do at the end of a good car race. And they then... shake the bottle up. They hold their thumb over it. They point it at their husband and they say "booyah." <laughs> and know. the same thing happens.
0: <clears throat> yeah. See, I'm more concerned that it actually you lose all your you never mind that you lose some wine. You also lose all your carbonation. Now, I have another solution. I have another solution. i
1: Because instead of drinking sparkling wine. She could go to southeastern Spain and buy wonderful wines made from the Muved grape, which down there they call monastrel. And there are three regions that grow particularly good monastrel in southeastern Spain. Yecla, which is quite good. Humilla, And my favorite is Buyas. There you go. So she orders She's a bottle Bújas. of Buyas and she can serve it to him. In a platter. Serve them. There you go. Give All him right. his booyahs on a platter.
0: I'm sure that does not help. And that's <laughs> it for questions for now. We have more later on in the show. Coming up, some really bad wine writing. You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. It is indeed time for some really bad wine writing. And you know what?
1: Somebody's going to write a football song to that, and they're going to tell stories. They're going to sing Hail to the Redskins, which that yeah, that Yeah, song. Yeah, well, or maybe a better name. <laughs> okay, so I got one for you here. What about the people who use footballish terms to describe wine? Things like, it's muscular, it's hard-charging, aggressive. Doesn't have the speed to go deep. <laughs> yeah, there okay, you go. Okay, well that last one I kind of made up. Yeah, like, yeah, you know what I
0: mean. I know it is. And it is that uh, you can you can you can well. Of course, as you've said more than once, that a lot of wine writers were former sports writers. Although those are the better writers. Those so are the better often, writers. They often know as to do that. People who have never played the game who write this. Yeah, stuff. They, they're still look. They're looking to get connected to the game in there. Yeah. You know, okay. What yeah. do you have? Well, <clears throat> this is uh, this is from a winery that is trying to sell wine. <clears throat> Excuse me, trying to sell its wine. Uh-huh. and <clears throat> excuse me yeah good and it says uh, this is how they the, how they hype it in creating this unique blend we realize the great potential of our vineyard source they also want really? to follow, they're also trying to tell you that why their wine is unique by the way so yeah. it says in creating this unique blend of course we realize the great potential of our vineyard sources unique for its gravelly, low-vigor soils and cooling influences of Pacific breezes, the fruit in this region produces a stylistically lush, aromatic wine with a dense core of fruit and exuberant aromas. The palate is opulent and harmonious balance of fruit, oak, and tannin, carrying it through the long finish. Wow. Because I've never heard any of those descriptions before, ever. Actually, I think you could use
1: that for every wine. The only thing I think is funny is that they didn't discover the potential of their vineyard sources before they created this unique blend. What were they thinking before then? You you would think, you'd wonder, wouldn't you? Yeah. You'd Yeah, wonder if they hadn't thought, gee, we could make some good wine with this these is, vineyard th- sources. This,
0: you know, th- there's, a, there's a thing here where it's... It's, it's, it's unique. As, as a marketing guy yourself, <coughs> you, uh, you, you try to convince people not to use the same tired phrases that have no meaning. Because, but, because you want to be unique. But what I love about this is that it was completely... Completely, every single word cliche, is not unique. You could probably get to that. Yeah. One. yeah. Well, <clears throat> speaking of cliche, that would be us. <laughs> You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. We will be back with more football cliches in a moment, including which football players own wineries. In. Yeah. Stay with us. Are listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. You know, those guys are the halftime show next year. I was year. just thinking the same thing. Uh, that should be the halftime they show. They will be for good, the too. Bowl. They will be good. Yep. And it'll all be about history. So, for our historic history moment of the week, what do you bring?
1: Well, I thought it would be fun to think back 50 years ago because that was the Super Bowl. Uh-huh. Um, and the Super Bowl. First Super Bowl was in 1967. So if you were born in 67, what wines would you want to be drinking from your birth year? Pretty good year for Bordeaux. uh, Not a bad year for Port. uh, Pretty good for Italian red wines. But here's the one that got me as I did a little research on this. That was the year Robert Mondavi released the first wine under his new wine label, Robert yeah, Mondavi Winery. Right, and that was the first winery built in
0: Napa after Prohibition. That's right. New
1: wine. Yeah. And that wine was a $2 bottle of Chenin Blanc. Well, yeah.
0: I'll bet it doesn't taste very good right now. Yeah, although it might be a good collector's item. There you go. A reminder for all you Super Bowl fans out there, by the way, that was the Packers wamping the Chiefs 35-10. to 10. And the attendance—this is the part I like—the attendance at LA Coliseum. I and mean, we tell these lots of people tell these stories. It was, yeah. was it was it was pretty big. It was sixty-one thousand, but they had nearly forty thousand empty seats. Yeah. Well, they weren't serving wine. They weren't in serving the stadium. wine. And these days, uh, they could probably sell two hundred fifty thousand yeah. tickets. Yeah. Yeah. Right, well, wine, uh, I'm taking a sort of a detour from history, but I was going to go down this list of uh, football players with wineries. Good. And, okay. And uh, who are you going to start with? Well, surprisingly, it's Mike Ditka wines. Oh boy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He's got. I've never got this. You know, when when you think of elegance, Savoir faire, when you think of the people who have polish and elegance, Mike Ditka. <laughs> <laughs> What were you going to say? Last on the list. I mean, I'm sorry. I, you know, I understand he's from Chicago. I understand this. You know, the the hog butcher to the world. Del wines. The, but you know, I just he's just not the guy that says I know food and drink.
0: Well, but you know, we're the guys that Paul say Becuse, it does need. To, Mike Ditka. It does not need to be super sophisticated. It just needs to be tasty. Apparently not. Yeah. Well. Okay. Well. Uh, so Mike Ditka. Mike. No. No. Uh, another coach, Dick Vermeule. Yes. Uh, uh, he's actually he's a Napa native.
1: He's a, he grew up in
0: Calistoga, yeah, so he yeah, kind of knows the in wine, wine families. Yeah, and he's got. Yeah, it to, yeah, yeah. We, we should just so you know the prices of some of these. So, so Dick Mike Ditka's wines are fifteen to fifty bucks. Right. That's, you okay. Know, uh, uh, Dick Vermeer, and you can find his wines. There's a tasting room in Calistoga. Um, he's got uh, forty two to hundred and fifty dollars. A handful of his wines are over hundred bucks. Yeah. So he's classic Napa. Kind of a guy, but his family's from there. I mean, yeah, they, yeah. they grew up. In fact, his uh, I think his great uh, great grandfather established the Calistoga Wine Company in the early 1900s. Wow. I mean, he's got uh, yeah, yeah. he's got so he's, he's got, got legitimate wine wine shops chops and Calistoga. Chops. Good for him. Yeah. And then there's Joe Montana. Yes, my man Joe Montana. Anybody who's a 49er fan always thought that the coolest human being on earth is Joe Montana. And I still (laughs) thought that because not only did he end up marrying the model he was doing a television commercial with, and they're still married. And And they're still married. But when he retired, he got a horse ranch. And started a winery. That's right. what you're supposed to do. That's what you're supposed you to know? do. None yeah. of this running around. Not only that, you know? but he roped in
1: Ed Sbaragio, who's a very good winemaker right. for Barringer right. for years, right. and right. the two of them make the wine together. Yes, it's Montaja
0: yeah. wine. Yeah, yep. um, it's, it's a nice it, story. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then I kind of like this one too. This is Dan Marino. It's the pa- guy that Joe Montana beat in a couple of those Super that's Bowls. That's right. As I one recall. right, right in the Bay Area. Yep. Yep. Passing Time Winery. But what I like about the story is that that he's doing it with his former backup quarterback, Damon Hard. Um, you know, Ewerd Heward. Heward. Um and, and didn't he play for Washington? Uh,
1: I'm sorry, University wasn't he a UW? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why and... they're
0: back at it is in Washington because so oh, okay. Howard yeah, knew, yeah, yeah. knows this area. But he was he was Marino's backup in, in Miami, and the winery is in Washington. Uh, uh-huh. Howard, he's the manager. I mean, you know, Marino's sort of the front, and he had to right. actually do another winery. But um, his, oh, that's cool. his so he's actually running thing, and they uh, they make they uh, they focus on cabs.
1: That's nice. The uh, guy sem- in his back up. 75 there. doing all that. That's stuff. right, and they're still making wine together. Charles
0: Woodson. Uh, uh, Oakland Raider. Oakland Raider and Green Bay Packers before that. 24 wines, because that's his number. And he's with a couple of former Robert Mondavi pros. His prices are not cheap. 112 to $150 per bottle. Wow. Or an autographed bottle is
1: 250
0: Wow. However, because uh, as an active player, he is prohibited from endorsing his own wines until he retires. So what does he, he drinks them. He just can't, he can't stand him. up and say they He can make them, but he can't be out there in front of That's crazy. So uh, okay. a couple others. Drew Bledsoe, yes. qu- the quarterback that Tom Brady replaced. <laughs> That's right. Uh, yes. <laughs> double back the wines. The Wally Pip of, of That's football. Sort of, yeah. Well, he actually won himself a Super Bowl himself. He, he did. Uh, double back wines in Walla Walla, Washington. They focus entirely on cab Hunter Buck's. Wow. Carmen Policy, former 49ers president during the golden years. His wines are Casa Piena, which means full house. Full house. Yeah. They're $150 or more. And you know that these are expensive wines because when you go on the website, yeah, and instead of the buy button, uh-huh. it says acquire. 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 Good. See, when that's just an expensive word. Can you buy two bottles and a third one to be named later? Uh, yeah, but you have to trade it
1: eventually. <laughs> yeah. And the winemaker there is uh, Thomas Brown, who's kind of a famous consultant. yeah. yeah, yeah He's yeah. made some... 199 point wines for for Mr. Schrader, Fred Schrader, for example.
0: Yeah. I'll okay. Run, run through a couple. As Rick Mirror who was uh, second From Notre dra- Dame, yeah, right. second draft pick in '93, never yeah. really became a great pro. And you know, what, I was looking this up, and one of the things that I thought was r- rather sad was that almost every piece that was written about him says he was never able to justify the high draft pick. Ouch. But apparently, wines are pretty good. Good. Uh, okay. This is White's twenty five to forty? Cabs seventy five, ninety five in Napa. Yeah. Terry Hogue, thirteen seasons as a safety in the NFL, won a Super Bowl with the Redskins. It's TH Estate in Paso Robles. Doing very well, by the way. Yeah, yeah. John Madden. Beloved coach of the Raiders. Really always
1: fun to listen to him talk. <laughs> he has a, yes, he is. Quite a contrast to.
0: Yeah, he has a vineyard and a label <laughs> with Darcy Kent Vineyards in Livermore. Uh huh. And then the other guy that is, is certainly worth mentioning is Gary Eberly. That's true. He played defensive tackle at Penn it. State. Oh, yep. anybody knows why? And loves. we love this guy. He's a good guy. He's a great guy. He was drafted by the Lions in the early 70s, very early 70s. And, and they said he was too small at 6'3, 230 pounds. Um, but he was one of the pioneers of Passerobels. And one he,
1: of the true characters there too. I do. There are absolutely. some very, very funny and very, very famous <laughs> stories about Gary Eberly showing up at major wine events. At one point, showing up in drag because he thought it would be more appropriate and more fun to have fun with wine. <laughs> Gary Eberly is someone who is not a wine snob. He is someone, not a wine snob. He's someone, someone that, who knows how to have fun with wine and
0: knows how to make wine. Too. Yeah. yeah, good, yeah, wines, that, good wine. Good uh, Good guy. Yeah, and there's lots of other athletes. Um, that some of the surprising ones are well, there's the golfers, all golfers, you know, Greg Norman, Jack Nicholas, Arnold Palmer, Annika Sorensen. David Beckham, he's got one in Napa. Wayne Gretzky, Tom uh-huh. Seaver, Jeff Gordon, and Mario Andretti. Yeah, a couple of car. So. I've been to the Andretti winery. Yeah, it's a, very, sure. it's a fun yep. little place. All right. Yep. Well, now that we've um, maligned um, the football players, you can all beat us up. Uh, we're going to take some questions <laughs> from listeners, who they can then come beat us can up beat too. Us up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and if you'd like to ask us a question, by the way, go to rickandpaulwine.com, All one word: Rick and Paul Wine. Our next question comes from Howard Ortiz in San Jose. He says, I have two cork questions. Well, he only gets one question, right? Well, actually, our next person gets two questions. <laughs> it's kind of complicated. We have okay, a, come on, a Howard, Give formula. us both of them. We'll we're like, we are like, we uh, We're like refs just making up the game. We need instant replay. <laughs> right, huh? we need a conference. Yeah. We need a conference. Then we're going to send it to Matt for the replay. <laughs> <laughs> That's how we're going to do it. That's right. exactly right. All right, so he has two cork questions. My friend said we get a bottle with used cork. Actually, we talked a little bit about this, uh, the second part of this. My friend said we got a bottle with used cork ground up to make the new cork. Is that true? And does a longer cork matter to the wine? Two great
1: questions. The first one is that they are currently making corks, if we can call them that, out of ground up cork. They're called agglomerated corks, and they are made up of little particles of cork. The cork that they use isn't necessarily used cork. It's just cork, actually, that isn't used for anything else. It's basically the same kind of cork you use in a cork board, and they just grind it up and um, some of them are extruded, some of them are compressed uh, with a binder,
0: uh, and they work actually reasonably well. Yeah, and they, they tend to be on, on, you know, the less really high-end wines. Right. But there's nothing wrong with them. And right. And, in fact, we've read some studies— you know, me and my studies, although we have not done one of those on the air, but uh, UC right. Davis uh, did some studies on those, and they found that the, they, they, worked the, perfectly they worked just well. fine. The oxygen yeah. transfer, yeah. all that kind of stuff is Now, about the other
1: question you have is a more important one, which is does the length of the cork matter it, to the wine?
0: Yes, there is an exponential relationship to the price. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's sort of funny because the, 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 the answer to the, the real answer to your question, Howard, no. The wine does not care how long the cork is. In fact, the seal that a cork makes with the the bottle, interestingly enough, that the cork has to be, they have to specify the diameter of the cork for the full length of the cork. But they only have to specify the diameter of the interior neck of the bottle for 5 sixteenths of an inch, which is why you sometimes see streaks of wine going up the side of the cork. The bottle, if you stick your finger down inside the neck of a bottle, it's not very even. It's not very cylindrical. Right, right, right. The longer the cork, just means it's less likely to seal all the way at the bottom. Now, if you're aging your wine for 25 years and want to pull it out for your granddaughter's, you know, graduation ceremony, a long cork will be a, make a better long term insurance policy for that wine. Given that 98 percent, 99 percent of the wine are
0: drunk within a, a few weeks of purchase. Doesn't matter. Yeah, although you know that brings up sort of an interesting question because you know we have answered this one a lot and we will again, which is the screw top versus the cork. And what the screw top does is it seals it completely, and right. so then the one of the complaints that some serious winemakers have, not in, in really were critiques would be a better word mm. about screw top, is that there's no oxygen transfer. Right. So I've also heard. Some winemakers say they didn't like those super long corks for the very same reason, that they got... That they got less oxygen transfer than than they, they sort of figured on, so that the wines didn't actually yeah, age but, as well as they might. Excuse me, but I, I I don't teach enology, but I know enough to tell a
1: winemaker that if you're not getting the oxygen transfer, reduce the amount of sulfur, and it works out just fine.
0: Well, they probably still want to spend money on the course. Sorry, but you know, uh, if you'd
1: like to take a class at Napa Valley College, we could hook you up, and we could teach them how to use oxygen and measure it against sulfur.
0: Well, maybe they don't want to use the sulfur. Kind of a basic equation in winemaking. Yeah. All right. Well, there you go. Yep. Uh, so, and, and to answer your questions, uh, yes and not. And yes, corks can be mostly. made from
1: ground-up cork, and they work reasonably well, at least for short-term storage. And the length of a cork really only matters if you're aging the wine for a long, long time.
0: Although I'm pretty sure that if the, you've got an inexpensive bottle of wine, you won't have a long cork. The more expensive the wine, the, the, the larger the, the likelihood. Cork. that Yes, yep. the cork. There is, there's, I'm yep. sure there's some formula in that. Yeah. Okay. This next one is from Antonia in Merced. You guys talked about box wines a while back, and I tried to look up reviews on the ones in the supermarket and couldn't find any. Yeah. So how do I know which ones are any good? And those things are a large commitment of wine. You know, it's interesting she says a large commitment of
1: wine because it's not that she's worried about the money. It is it is a ton of wine. It's, it's that it is bottles. a lot of wine mm-hmm. in those boxes. Mm-hmm. And I, I think there may be a slight confusion here, Antonio, because in many cases, the box wines you're finding in the supermarkets are not actually the ones we're talking about that have really good wine in them. You can expect a uh, the box wines that we're talking about would have a couple of bottles worth of wine in them and would cost twenty bucks, twenty two bucks, twenty five bucks. If you're seeing wines in the supermarket that are eleven dollars for four liters, those are very inexpensive wines and probably not with a great. Well, but
0: there are some decent. You know, I'll say this again. Um, There was the cube. Which was, uh, was the best reasoning in California a couple of years yes, ago. Yes, but how much did it cost? It, well, it was the same thing. It was the three-liter... Um, 25 bucks? In that ballpark, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so, so but, yeah. but even that, I mean, still the price is pretty good, but I think, I think the
1: question... No, but with box wines, I'm saying, I think if there's a pretty big price differential, there's very inexpensive box wine sure. in the supermarkets, by the time you're paying the 25 bucks or so, those are pretty but good But you're
0: wines. still buying what, what amounts to four bottles of wine yes. in, in most so of the So I those.
1: have the perfect solution is she, she, she's in the store. Take along a glass and just, you know, open open up. Just have a little taste. Yeah. You know, why not? You even a glass, paper cup. They want, paper they'll cup, they won't never, yeah. Just taste a little bit of each box as you go by
0: and then pick the one you like the best. Well, I say so. Actually, though, all Rick and Paul in this aside... <laughs> She actually has a good point, which is that these are one of the things that wine writers never be write dead writing will never write about. Oh. They will never write about them because it's not sexy.
1: Yeah. You now, can... if there was a winemaker in Burgundy who only made thirty-five boxes of wine and it sold for four hundred fifty dollars a bottle, every wine writer in the world would write about it and tell you how wonderful <laughs> it was, but you couldn't find it anywhere. It's
0: it's precisely the kind of thing um, you and I were emailing back uh, and forth the other day uh, about a, a wine writer who was complaining that. That he had to write the story that his the readers his, wanted, his to read. editors wanted, you know, which was like what wines go with what things, right? Because all the readers wanted, it, and it wasn't very fulfilling for him, right? And yeah. we're, we're thinking,
1: I mean, <laughs> get a radio get, show, yeah get a, well, yeah, get a
0: job, do something, you know, get a I mean, job, get a radio show. It's, it's, you want fulfillment? Yes, it, it's, it's fulfilling. <laughs> uh, but okay. so so, Antonio, your your point is exactly a good point, which is that. It is a little annoying that the the vast majority of things in some ways that we are interested, we the regular wine drinker and we actually have a difficult time finding sort of expert opinion on. I mean you can right. always get the, so the crowdsourcing and the Yelp reviews and the various other things. Yeah. But you know what the funny thing is is even a lot of the wine apps don't have a lot of people weighing in on box wine. Because they don't want to be That's they don't right. want to be the the guy or gal that, that weighs in on the box wine. That's right. So you know what
1: we should do, Paul? We should do a box wine we tasting. We should do a box wine tasting. Okay. We should do box wine tasting. Yeah, you know what we should do? It. We should do it in a supermarket. Yes. We'll just take our paper. Matt, can we do that live? Yes. Yeah, just we'll go. bring
0: we'll some. Just bring some equipment. He's <laughs> giving us a thumbs up. I think we can do that. We can stand around
1: and um, and we can savor the wine. And then and then of course we're tasting. So yes. Do we spit on the floor
0: or? Oh, who's gonna spit? If we're drinking box wine. It, it, nobody knows how to spit box wine. It does. It's not a wine that you're allowed to spit, I think. You know? Okay. Uh, but it is true. And it is it is to the everlasting dismay of um of the vast majority of consumers, and probably one of the reasons why there is this so, so, gap. So just to be clear, are we asking the makers of box wine
1: to send free samples of wine to Rick and Paul radio shows so we can do a tasting on the air?
0: Well we're not asking anything. <laughs> we're just Saying suggested. it, we might because that would be okay, soliciting good. or something, and that yeah, would be well, really low. Yeah, rates. we only do that later at night because no, we not couldn't not afford Friday the, morning. the box wines, they're <laughs> right. way too expensive. Right. Oh, and Tanya gets another
1: question. Yeah, but we did. It was the first one was a good one, and we didn't answer it. So let's go to the second one, All right?
0: So, uh, her question was this Well, no, we answered it. The answer is, How do you know? And the answer, uh, the we reason, don't know, it's not really easy. It's not I mean, easy. I, you know, the there's because you're right, because even the even the, the, sort of the, the crowdsourcing is, is, not, it's is, not, is not, it's not really good. The one thing you might do, though, it, which is a kind of a hard thing to do, but look at some of the wine contests that go by price. Uh-huh. The, the San Francisco Chronicle is one of them, yep. and they get a lot of boxed wine entries, uh-huh. and, or a handful anyway. So that would probably be at least one thing, a San Francisco Chronicle well, wine competition. Well, I would say any wine that price. has
1: a medal— at least tells you that there were there was a group of 3 to 4 wine experts who tasted the wine and at least can identify that it has no obvious flaws. Now, is it going to be your style? Eh,
0: you probably Whether there is that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But <clears throat> that's true. And if any box wine got a medal, you know darn well they're going to put it they're on. They're going box. to talk about it. Yeah. All right, here's her other question. Some of the big stores have their own brands. How can I find out if those are any good too? You know what Antonia needs to do?
1: Antonia needs to either join or start a wine tasting club
0: of those kinds of wines.
1: Well, I mean, it can start with those kinds of wines. Here's the problem. She's absolutely right. There are 120,000 wines on the market, and how do you know which ones are any good? And you can't taste them all. And, boy, it would be great to have 12 of these bottles and taste them all and decide which one you like best, but that's expensive. It's not expensive if you get 12 people to do it with you. Right.
0: I think that's a really
1: good idea. So Antonia should call 12 of her friends and tell them each, bring, have her get her wedding list at Costco. Yeah. Have her yeah. get her, get the, get the list on the bridal registry, only this is the tasting registry, and everybody brings a different bottle, and you taste them all with your eyes shut, or if you want, you can put bags over the bottles. though um, well, well, if you're doing, if she was doing it with boxes, it would be a little harder. Well, that's right. You and have to put over boxes. Bags over boxes and, and the bags into boxes. Yeah. And then... And then she takes the one she likes the best. And if I lived anywhere near Antonia, I'd sign up because that would be fun. Well, that's true. And, you know, for all your friends, it'd be useful, too.
0: You know, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody just blind, blindly votes the one they like best, and yeah. then and, you know. and
1: actually, Antonia doesn't even have to pay attention to the, how they voted. Right. All it's she has to do each is of you. write down what she likes best, and right. there she's got her solution. But for for
0: all of the friends in the tasting, they get Everybody the same, gets to pick they get to a decide. Favorite. That's a good. That's yep. a very good way to do it. You know, we talk about this now and then. We actually got a question about this not so long about like starting a tasting group. You know, how what do I do? Right. And the only suggestion that, that I mean, there really aren't a whole lot of rules, but I always say that one of the ways for it to be useful for you is to compare... Pick a theme. Yeah, pick a theme, like to like, or yep. a region, or something so that yep. you can... Find things that you like and find things that you don't like. Yep. The one thing always, not, the one thing that's always difficult is like, and I know that you know lots of friends that have done this sort of thing. Everybody brings a bottle, but they're right. like all these different
1: bottles of wine, well, different, and then different kinds of sometimes Four people drink, bring the same bottle, and then, and then, then there's goes. that too. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. Well, then you have something to drink. So, well, yeah.
1: No, but I think that's a great idea. And I, if I were live near Antonia, I would uh, sign up to join that group because I think it would be fun to taste some of those wines.
0: Yeah, I think those are things, and critics ought to be paying attention, and they ought to be writing about it. Yeah, Antonia can start a wine blog. And, and put us out of business. Yes. Well, and she would write good descriptions so that we wouldn't be able <laughs> to make right. fun of her. Okay. That's right. We'll make fun of something else instead. That's uh, that's enough for bad answers to good questions. <laughs> that should be the <laughs> so name should, of this segment. Should be, we yeah. should call a show. Right. If you'd like to ask a good question that we will give you a bad answer, go to rickandpaulwine.com, all one word, Rick and Paul Wine. And don't forget, as always, we are on iTunes. You can find us there and you can subscribe really easily with a click. Coming up, uh, we've done pairings already, so we have a wine word for you that will be totally useless, as just like our dancers. Stay with us. <laughs> yeah, are listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, and today we're kind on of a wine word of the week how it's, cool is that? Well, yes. And it's... Um, Do
1: we need to know this one? Is this a vocabulary test? It's a vocab-
0: It'll be, it is a vocabulary. It will be on the vocabulary. Um, okay. It is, uh, it is ullage. Ullage. I'm going to spell it for somebody who has not seen it before. Why don't you spell it for even for the people who have seen it before? Because you guys can you can hear it too. <laughs> it's U-L-L-A-G-E. Ullage, as it were. Ullage. It is pronounced ullage, and I know this only because... Because you know. I used to mispronounce it. <laughs> um <laughs> It's actually not a wine word. It's actually a science word. It is a science word, and it just really means the amount of that a container is not full between the, the liquid and the stock. Right. It's the spa- It's basically as a wine gets older, that
1: space increases. Well, usually.
0: So that's what I was going to say. So then it, the word itself is you don't need to know this, but what that space does mean something to you as a wine bar. Well, because
1: uh, most wines are bottled to have a very small what the what the bottling line calls a head space. And it's usually only about a quarter of an inch between the top of the wine and the bottom of the cork. If you see that it's significantly larger than that, then chances are there is some leakage somewhere in that seal, and some of your wine's missing, and some air got in, and ullage in general is not a good sign in anything other than the very oldest wine. Which
0: is also one reason why the capsules are long. In sparkling wine, in many wines actually, but so you can't see if they're specifically yeah, sparkling, sparkling wine. Sure. They make
1: them long because it's very difficult to get the fill right because of all those bubbles.
0: Yeah. So, but but that does mean something to you um, as a wine buyer, would if you can see a relatively young wine with a relatively large.
1: So when someone recommends a wine to you, you can say, well, that sounds very good, but what's its ullage? Yes, yes. And and they will look at you like you've lost your mind, the way people often look at Rick.
0: Well, they say I have a very large ullage, and what they're talking about (laughs) is the space between the top of my head and my brain, I think, but that is... um, That's a large ullage. Well, it's, you know, yes, it it is. But, you know, what that is, and actually, I'm sorry, because we have another minute. Um, I, I just want to say one of the really fun things, if you've ever seen a bottling line... Yeah. is watching the bottling line roll through but you know it is it is if if you know if you, you get to go on these wine tours they're usually boring and they show you a tank but if you're going during the season where they're bottling let them have ask for them to let you see as much as you can of that bottling line and work yeah, it's, you only it's like need to the mouse trap, once, though. It yeah. is.
1: It is. It's a rube, It looks rube gold. Yeah,
0: great. and there's these wheels spinning and, and things <laughs> yeah. going on. And boxes and, and, going
1: up and boxes coming down and, and conveyors going over there. Yeah, and, and, and what
0: happens is to fill it is like a little tube goes into the bottle and they fill it up and the tube comes out of the bottle and moves along and then pop goes the cork and it's it is a very cool thing. Rick is an easily amused. I person. I am easily. You know, it's like <laughs> it's true because I have no ability. No, actually, I don't understand how anything works. So all right. All right. So how do we work? Ah, well, well. As people can hear, not well. But that is it for another round of Ball Talk with Rick and Paul. Our engineer is Matt Passini. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt. And thank you to Capital Public Radio for the studio use. If you'd like to ask us a question that we can answer on the show or not, go to rickandpaulwine.com, all one word, Rick and Paul Wine. Look for us on iTunes. And if you've learned anything today, we hope it's that wine goes with any party, even when they have buffalo wings, though beer's not bad either. <laughs> I'm Rick Krishman. And I'm Paul Wagner. And remember, the best wines you drink are with friends. Or with us. Especially with us.